Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17 through 32. Murder, divorce, and adultery. The big three. Today, I want to share a personal joy. I am on vacation this week. My family has decided to go to Green River Lake for the week, and I am here with my family. So you might hear a crying baby or a barking dog in the background. I'd also like to apologize if there's any difference in the audio quality since I am not recording this in my usual location. In honor of the location, I am drinking Green River Bourbon. It is made in Owensboro, Kentucky, a little ways up the river from Green River Lake, but I thought it would be quite fitting since I am here looking at Green River Lake to be drinking Green River Bourbon. So let's go ahead and we'll start with our scripture reading for today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 32. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, whoever sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven." You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to my brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. Anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge." And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, Anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery.
Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 32. Jesus starts this discussion by saying that he is not getting rid of any of the laws in the Old Testament. In fact, he describes it by saying, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything has been accomplished. Now, on the surface, this sentence doesn't seem all that interesting. But the Gospel of Matthew is written in Greek. We've discussed that in the past. But Jesus most likely would have preached in Aramaic. This was the language that was spoken by the Jewish people in the area. The word, the smallest letter, in Greek, the one that Matthew uses, is iota, which is the smallest letter in the Greek language. In fact, this phrase has made its way into our modern English with the phrase, it doesn't make one iota of difference, meaning it doesn't make even a small amount of difference. But Jesus would not have said iota. Instead, most people believe that Jesus probably said the word yoda, which sounds similar to iota, and is the smallest letter in the Hebrew language, which is something that his audience would have understood. And especially since he was speaking Aramaic, it would have made sense that he would have referenced an Aramaic letter, not a Greek one. But since Matthew was translating what Jesus was saying to speak to an audience that was reading it in Greek, he changed the letter from Yoda to iota. It kept the same exact meaning, but it could reach a broader audience, an audience that may not speak Aramaic or Hebrew. But even though the translation is different than the original version, the meaning is the same. Because even today, in modern Hebrew, there is the phrase, the tip of the yoda, meaning a small detail that can often be overlooked. It is used in much the same way as Jesus referenced it here. So even though the translation is different, the meaning is the same. And that's important for us to remember, particularly as we're looking at these laws. These laws that came from the Old Testament, the original Hebrew Bible, and how they might be changed a bit with our Christian outlook, but the meaning of the laws stay the same, even though it might seem as if we're doing something a bit different. Because Jesus says that he was not getting rid of even the smallest part of the law, even that little iota or yoda. But yet, as modern Christians, we often don't seem to follow the smallest of these laws. We certainly don't follow the laws regarding foods, the ones that would be used to keep kosher. I love a good cheeseburger, and that is clearly against the scripture in the Old Testament. 
Likewise, there are laws about wearing certain kinds of mixed fabric or or not having strings dangling from your clothes. These small letters, the iotas or the yodas, that Christians seemingly overlook can make it seem as if we are not paying attention to what Jesus is telling us here in this scripture. But over the next few weeks, we're going to see how Jesus describes how we should follow the intent of the law, follow the law to its fulfillment, how we can follow the spirit of the law and not break one yoda or iota of its true meaning. And we'll see this throughout the Gospel of Matthew in Jesus' interaction with the Jewish authorities. Because these authorities created many laws, laws that weren't found in Scripture. Jesus wasn't challenging the laws of Scripture, but these needless laws that seek to divide God's children. And instead, reinforce the laws of compassion and love, allowing you to grow closer to God. And we're going to see this particularly in these first three laws that Jesus discusses. Murder, adultery, and divorce. What you'll notice here is that a lot of the laws that Jesus is discussing are found in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Adultery and murder, with divorce not being found in the Ten Commandments, but instead in the laws in Deuteronomy. These three, in particular, were known to all of the Hebrews in this time. It managed not only their spiritual life, but also their civil life, with these laws being part of their civil code as well as their religious code. But Jesus took it a bit further than just those few sentences used in the Old Testament, saying that murder wasn't the end of it. That murder actually means more than just murder. That you can't be clean simply because you did not take someone's life, but in fact, if you are holding a resentment against someone, you are committing that crime, that sin in your heart. The word raka is Aramaic. It's not Greek. Matthew decided to keep this word in its original language. He didn't translate it. And the word itself means empty. However, in Aramaic, and particularly in this area, it would have been understood to mean empty-headed. It's an insult. It's like if you were to call someone today empty-headed or dumb. It's not a nice thing to say. But it's not murder either. But Jesus is saying that if you are calling someone this name in anger, you are committing murder in your heart. And instead, you should settle matters quickly, not allowing your anger to boil over. And it's important that he uses the court comparison here. Because by saying that you will be handed over to the judge and to the officer, he is not just referring to a civil court, but a religious one. Jesus often describes God as a judge, 
by saying that you will be thrown into prison, he is making it clear that this is not an earthly prison, but a heavenly one. And in some ways, it can seem quite stern. But often, throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus use dramatic language. It's not quite legal as much as it is used to convey a vision without having to spell out every single situation. Because that was part of the problem with the Old Testament. It was a long list of laws for very specific situations. And if something was outside of those situations, then the laws could sometimes be a bit iffy. What does it really mean to keep kosher? Were they just trying to keep a mother's milk away from that slaughtered calf? Or do we really need to keep our meat separate even today when there are different cattle for beef and for dairy? These situations can be highly specific and change over time. But by Jesus addressing this in a broad sense, by condemning anger, then as things change, the the law doesn't have to. The law that Jesus sets forth can last for an eternity. He's not changing the law, but bringing it into its fulfillment. And the same is true with adultery. He says, you have heard it said not to commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, this is a very high bar. Even looking at someone lustfully alone could be considered adultery. It's very dramatic. And likewise, Jesus asked us to gouge out our own eyes if it causes us to stumble. Now, This has to be a bit dramatic, otherwise there would be a lot of blind Christians stumbling around. But it helps us realize that it isn't the end act of adultery where the sin is committed, but all of the acts all the way through. Even emotional adultery is adultery, even though it's not forbidden by the letter of the law. It is. It's forbidden by the intent. As a pastor, I've talked to many couples, and I can tell you that emotional adultery, opening yourself up and loving them romantically, but not physically, is just as damaging on a relationship as physical adultery. Because the same pain is committed either way. The sin takes place before that final act. And then finally, Jesus talks about divorce. The Hebrew Bible allows for divorce. We've discussed this in the past, how someone would get a certificate of divorce. It was complicated and a bit difficult, but it was a very manageable task. You you could get it done. But Jesus changes this. He says the law may allow you to get a certificate of divorce, but saying you are divorced doesn't mean you are divorced. And in fact, if you try, you are committing adultery. It's also interesting that he talks about adultery and divorce right after 
He discussed adultery in general, saying that adultery can be even looking at a woman lustfully. But yet he says here that you are committing adultery, and that can be the grounds for divorce altogether. It's a bit confusing. He makes adultery be even a glance, and then allows divorce based on adultery. It's difficult. It's challenging. But still, it follows the law, the spirit of the law, the fulfillment of the law, not the letter. Adultery is bad. Jesus is telling us that. And even though in the Hebrew Bible you can get a certificate of divorce, just getting one doesn't prove anything. Instead, there is a higher bar. The law isn't the letter, but the spirit. Jesus is bringing it into fulfillment. And that's why, as Christians today, we don't follow every single specific law found in the Hebrew Bible. We don't follow its dietary restrictions and other cultural markers. But even though we don't follow every little detail, we still aren't breaking even the smallest iota because we are following its intended purpose. Jesus brought it into fulfillment, and we can follow the fulfillment of those laws, even if some of the details might be different. Next week, we're going to go through a few more regulations, particularly an eye for an eye and the commandment to love your enemies. As always, thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions over the material, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. If you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.